family. I greet you in the wonderful, mighty, and matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Pray God's blessings are and will be upon you and uh, looking forward to sharing with you this, this study. I'm going to ask you a question today, uh, a question that is uh, one that every one of us needs to ask of ourselves. And uh, I want to go into the scripture. We've been studying in the book of Nehemiah for some weeks now, and um, this, this thing is just pregnant with revelation, pregnant with uh, with, with uh, information, and so I want to stay here, and uh, Nehemiah asked a question, and I want to ask you a similar question to what Nehemiah asked. So we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. Now, we remember, just to set it up, Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. Ne Nehemiah uh, hears of the state of Jerusalem. The walls have been torn down because uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, um, uh, tore down the walls. You know about that. And, um, and looted the, um, the temple, tore down the temple and that kind of thing. And now Persia, during the time of Nehemiah, Persia is the ruling empire. Artaxerxes is the king. And Nehemiah hears of, um, of, of the state of uh, Jerusalem and how the walls are torn down and the city is le left vulnerable. I want to read verses, um, verses 11 to 18, Nehemiah chapter 2, 11 to 18. Um, this is Nehemiah when he first comes now. He gets permission from the king, Artaxerxes, to come and to uh, repair the walls and that kind of thing. So Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. Listen to this. Nehemiah says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate, to the serp, uh, serpent wall and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool 
uh, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up into the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the, and the, and the officials did not know uh, where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the others who did the work. Listen to this. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of, of, the hand of, of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words, which he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Again, Nehemiah uh, viewing the walls, viewing Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem now. He's viewing the distress of Jerusalem and how uh, the city is left vulnerable. And Nehemiah makes this statement in verse 17. I want you to hear this. Nehemiah makes this statement. He says, he, then, the scripture says, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Listen to what he says. You see the distress that we are in. Listen, I want to ask you this question. Nehemiah was looking at the state of Jerusalem, the state of the place of his heritage, his people. And he says, you see you see how we look in essence. You see how we look. You see what you see the state again, the state that we're in, the distress that we're in. Look at what he's saying is, look, what do you see when you look at us? That's the question I want to ask you. How do you see you? Nehemiah is saying, when you see the state of our city, the state of our city is indicative of a state of, of us as a people. When you look at you what he's saying is when you look at us what do you see that's the question i'm asking you when you see you how do you see you how do you see you how do you view you listen the way that you view you how you see you determines how you live where you live and also how you what you allow to happen and take place in your life if you see you as a person who's deserving of God's best, a person who's deserving of, of, of being treated well, you won't let just anybody come into your life and treat you any kind of way. How do you see you? If you see you as a person who deserves, again, God's best, you won't settle for a second best. You won't, in fact, a, a, book, that, uh, from, a book from good, good to great, uh, forget who the author is. Um, and he says that good is the enemy of best. Why would you settle for good when you deserve God's best? How do you see you? When you look at you, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm encouraging you to take a good introspective look at you. When you see you, not somebody else. We, we, we're quick to judge and, and, and tell other people how they should live and all that. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm asking you, when you see you, how do you see you? What, it, what do you see when you look at you? Again, how you see you determines uh, uh, you know, what you allow into your life, how you live, how far you go. It will determine how far you go uh, in, in what you do. Uh, you know, again, what you allow, what you don't allow into your life 
How do you see you? Listen, it's not about what other people see. There's a song that I uh, that I love when I I, I I learned it when I was in South Africa, and I love that song. And the song says, um, "I see you in the future, and you look much better than you look right now." You know what? That's a wonderful song. I see you in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. But you know what? It's not as important what I see when I look at you. What's really important is what you see when you look at you. How do you see you? Listen, I want to give you three people uh, in the Bible, and two of them are you already know of, I'm sure, in uh, uh, and, and, of, of the, their, their account. Three people who saw themselves as small, saw themselves as weak, saw themselves as inadequate, and God had to remind them of who they were. Let's look at the first one. We're going to look at Gideon. We're going to start with Judges, then we're going to go Judges, uh, 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 Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. We're going to look at Gideon. You've heard the story of Gideon before. Um, uh, the, the Midianites have been oppressing uh, God's people, and, 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 and God is raising up a judge. He's raising up a deliverer. So Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 18. Again, the Midianites have been, uh, you know, when, when Israel is, is, is farming and uh, planting and that kind of thing. The Midianites would come in and take the harvest from them. And uh, just Israel was just in a bad state uh, because of their sins against God. And so here we go. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. The scripture says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Orpah, which belonged to Joash the Abiazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I love that. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is really with us, why then has this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Listen, the scripture says that Gideon, he's threshing wheat, which means he's getting, uh, uh, if, if, if it was corn, he'd be taking the husk off of the, off of the, 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 the corn, uh, the corn um, and he's, the, the wheat, you have to, it comes in, it's a seed inside of uh, the shell. You got to take the, 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 the little husk off, if you will. So he's threshing wheat. But he's doing it in the wine press. Why? Because he's hiding. Because wheat harvest and the and the grape harvest are at different times, and so the Midianites wouldn't be looking for wheat in the in, in the in the wine press. They'd be looking for wheat in the field. He's threshing wheat in the wine press because he's hiding. He's hiding. He's scared. He's scared that they're going to take what he has. He's scared that they may take his life for for uh, for for keeping what he. What he sold and reaped. If he's afraid, he's scared. And so he's threshing wheat in the wine press. And the angel of God has to come and say to him, and, and, and greet, I love that. Angel of the Lord, him, Lord, Lord greeted him, You mighty man. Oh, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And then listen to Gideon's response. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is really with us, why am I going through this? Why is all this happening to me? Why? We heard about what God did, but why ain't God doing it? He really, if he really loved us, he wouldn't let all this happen to us. He begins speaking, watch this, how he saw himself, how he saw 
his people. The Lord said to him, I see you as a mighty man of valor. And then God goes on to use him to bring deliverance to his people. But God had to get him out of, get him again, to change his view, I should say, of what he thought of himself. God spoke to him based upon what God saw. His response was based upon what he saw in himself. How do you see you? God sees you as he saw Gideon, a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. In fact, the scripture says he's already made you more than a conqueror. That's how God sees you. He sees you as a victor and not as a victim. Stop speaking of yourself. See, the reason why you speak of yourself as a, as a victim is because you think of yourself as a victim. You know, uh, Satan is riding my back. And, you know, if it ain't one thing, it's another. And all this kind of, you know, speaking, always speak, because that's what you see in yourself. I'm telling you, you need to see yourself as God sees you, a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. Yeah, that's the first one. Let's look at the next one. You know about this, Moses, Moses. Moses is, a, is, is the prime example of one who saw himself as being too weak and as being inadequate, as being too small, as not able to do, to fulfill the assignment that God gave him. And what Moses didn't understand is if God gives you the assignment, he's prepared you already. Let's read the scripture. Exodus chapter three, we're gonna read three verses one through 11, kind of long, and then we're gonna read chapter four, verses 10 through 13. So Exodus chapter three, verses one through 11. Listen to this, the scripture says, <coughs> excuse me, and Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his, by his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you, you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a, from that land to a good land, a land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will sing you to Pharaoh that you may bring up my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring up the children of Egypt? My God, God says, I've seen, I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming, I'm riding on the cloud, I'm coming uh, to deliver my people, and I'm coming to bring them to a land full of milk and honey. 
And Moses, I'm using you. Moses' response was, wait a minute, hold up. What you said now, that's that's cool. You're going to deliver your, your people and everything. But me? Who, who am I? I'm, I'm too inadequate. I'm too small. I, I, I don't have what it takes to, to be what you want me to be, to go to Pharaoh. I'm not that person. I ain't that guy. Let's keep reading. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Watch this. I love this. Then Moses said to the Lord, as, as God keeps continues to say, I'm going to send you. Moses says to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither uh, neither before, uh, neither before nor since have I spoken to your uh, have. have yeah, let me say it again. Then Moses said to the Lord, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow to speech and slow to tongue. So the Lord said to them, who has made man's mouth or who or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing and the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with you, be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you was it. Send somebody. Now, first of all, Moses said Moses starts talking about his weaknesses, his inadequacies. I'm slow to speech. And some people think that he says, I'm, you know, I'm not eloquent and I'm slow to speech. Some people think that Moses had a had a stuttering uh, 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 problem. He 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 was a stutterer. He couldn't he he couldn't get his words out quick enough, and he stuttered. And he says, you know, I'm I'm not I'm slow of speech. I can't I can't I can't I can't I can't I can't get my 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 my, my word. My, my, I can't talk like 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 everybody. Everybody people thought think that Moses may have had a stutter. And Moses uses he sees himself as inadequate. Even to the point where it says, who God says, who, who you think man, made man's mouth? Who you think uh, can can open uh, 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 blinded eyes and deaf ears? I'm I'm God. I'm and if I'm with you, I'm more than any weakness that may be against you. And Moses comes back to God and he says, please send somebody else. I'm not adequate. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not strong enough. I'm not the person that you want. Moses sees himself as inadequate he has a self-esteem problem he sees himself as someone who's not capable of doing what god is going to empower him to do god has to tell him i'm the one listen when i'm with you when i'm with you when and that's the reason why when god says uh, when moses says well who should i tell them send me god says i am tell him i am sent you so when pharaoh asked moses what well who is it god who is this god that you that you talking about let your people who is this god moses says i am okay who did you say well i didn't ask you who you are i asked you who god who you who this god what's his name i am i just asked you i'm not talking about who you are moses I, i'm asking you who is this god i am see you cannot talk about god unless you talk about yourself because when you're, my God, I want to shout right here. When God is inside of you, when you speak, that's God speaking. That's the reason why you got to be careful what you say. That's the reason why you got to see yourself the way God sees you. Because when you speak, that's God speaking. And God speaks those things that are not as though they are. And when he speaks, they come to pass. That's the reason why you got to speak positivity. You can't allow yourself to speak negativity. You can't allow yourself to speak complaints and 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 your circumstance you speak beyond your circumstance because when you're speaking i am is speaking when i am speak i am brings to him 
whatever he says. My God, see yourself as God sees you. Let me give you the last one. I don't know if you ever thought about this one. This is Saul, King Saul, not Paul, King Saul. King Saul before uh, he allowed the evil spirit to come into his life. Watch this. This is uh, when, when God chooses him to be king. First Samuel chapter 10, verses 17 through 24. 1 Samuel chapter 10, 17 to 24. Let me ask you the question again before we read the scripture. How do you see you? How you see you uh, determines how far you go, what, what you allow into your life, what happens in your life. We're supposed to be thriving. We're supposed to be living the life we were born to live. We're supposed to be sipping, springing up, increasing, and producing. You can't see you unless you can't do you can't do that unless you see you in the right way. How do you see you? First Samuel chapter 10, verses 17 to 24. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord, uh, uh, to the Lord at Mizpah, and said to the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I have brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of the kingdoms of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Israel is asking for a king. God says, well, I'm your king. As long as you have me. They said, we want to be like the other nations. We want to have a head of state. We want to see, we want to see something. We want to have a figurehead as our king. God says, okay, you, if you want that, I'm going to give you that, but you're rejecting me, but I'm going to give it to you because I'm going to give you what you want. You want, watch this, watch this. You see yourself like the other nations and the other nations have a king. And so you see yourself as them, so you want to be like them. See, that's the reason why you got to see yourself as God sees you, because if you don't, you'll be trying to be like somebody else. Man, that's powerful there. Let's go to verse 20. Listen to this. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, they could not find him. Therefore, they inquired. The people inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come yet? And the Lord answered. Listen to this. And the Lord answered. There he is hiding amongst the equipment, hiding amongst the stuff. And when they ran and brought him from there. Listen, look at this. When they ran and brought him, when they found him hiding amongst the equipment. Listen to this. When he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. This is the thing that gets me. Watch this. He was hiding when they, when they were choosing a king. Choosing a king. Most people want to be in charge. Samuel, uh, Saul at this point was so humble. He was so, he was, he was so, he was so fearful of, watch this, the position. He didn't think himself adequate enough to hold the position of king, to, to be promoted to king. He didn't think himself uh, adequate enough. He didn't think himself strong enough, capable enough to be a, to be a king uh, of, of, the, of, of, of Israel. So watch this. When they ran and found him, check this out. When they ran and found him, 
They pulled him out when he was hiding amongst the equipment. When they pulled him out, he stood taller than all the other people, shoulder from his shoulders upward. Here is this big man, this big, strong, burly man, but he still feels inadequate. Let me tell you something. Just because a person is mouthing off and because they're a big person, because they're, they got title and they got recognition and all that, don't mean they don't deal with feelings of inadequacy and low self-esteem. Just because a person has material possessions and all that, kind of, that don't mean that they're on the inside. They see themselves as small and they're fearful. They walk in fear and they're afraid uh, of what other people think of, of, of them and uh, afraid of, 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 of taking on position and that kind of don't let my God, don't let a person's title position. Don't let a person's stature. Don't let a person watch this. Don't uh, my sisters. Don't let a, 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 a so just because this, you know, everybody says this sister is beautiful. Uh, I, I've seen it where, you know, and I, I remember um, uh, some friends of mine, one one well, a person I'm acquainted with, not a friend person I'm acquainted with. Beautiful girl. Absolutely beautiful. She was the life of the party. I mean, all the guys want to try to get next to her and okay me let me here we go here we go let me let me talk about me i felt inadequate to even approach her but she went to school with me and she would always date you know the the you know in high school she would date the college guys and she was always the, she was the it girl and everything i mean absolutely beautiful fine and brothers you know what i'm talking about She's fine and all that kind of stuff and all that but you know what she went to a party one one uh one night i don't know if it was a friday or saturday night went to the party and she was the life of the party i was at the party she was with she was dancing with all the it guys she was the it girl and that kind of thing and um the next day she went she the next day when she went home she committed suicide nobody knew nobody knew the pain nobody knew what she was dealing with she was the it girl on the outside but on the inside there was something that was death. There was destruction. There was something that made her think, I can't live this life like this. She committed suicide. Let me tell you something. How you think of you determines how you live. And sometimes if you live and, and not just sometimes I'm saying it this way. If you live, it will determine if you live the life you were born to live. So let me ask you something. How do you see you? Do you see you the way God sees you? God sees you and God has already said of you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God sees you and God says that you are one of God's chosen. You're a chosen vessel. You're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman of God. God sees you and he says that you are, in, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are a son of God in Christ Jesus and the heir according to all the, of all the promises of Abraham. When God sees you, God sees you even when you make a mistake, even when you sin and fall short. God says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God sees you, he sees you cleansed. He sees you forgiven. He sees you redeemed. He sees you delivered. When God sees you, he sees you as more than a conqueror through him who loves you. But the question is, how do you see you? Nehemiah asked the question. You see the state that we're in. But then Nehemiah says, Nehemiah says you see the distress that we're in. Here we go. If you see you as Nehemiah saw Jerusalem broken down, beat down, defeated, vulnerable, misused and abused. If you see you like that, Nehemiah gives us the answer for that also. It's found in verse 17, that last part. He says, come, 
let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. If you see you as inadequate, now is the time for you to build your self-confidence, build your faith in God and in yourself. I love what God says. God says, the scripture says, with God, all things are possible. Let me tell you something. I got new revelation on that. With God, all things are possible. When we read, when we hear that, when we read that, we think it's saying God, all things, you know, God, with God, God can do all things. Nothing is impossible with God. But when I read it now, I read it, me with God, with God. Me, when I'm with God, all things are possible because God has chosen to use man to bring things to pass in this in this dimension of, 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 of eternity in the world. God uses man. And so when I'm with God, all things are possible. So when I think of me, I think of that scripture that's in Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now is the time, my brother and my sister, for you to build, again, build your self-confidence, build your hope in your future, build, uh, build your self-esteem and build your intellect by studying, by reading, build your faith by, by trusting God and, and by prayer and by fasting. Bill, now is the time to rise up and build that you no more would be a reproach, not to other people, but to yourself. How do you see you? My God, I see me as a king in the kingdom. My God, I, I see me as an influencer. I see me as one who has dominion, as one who has authority. I see me as someone who when I speak, things come to pass. What I speak comes to pass. That's the reason why I speak. I speak blessings. I speak favor. I speak prosperity. I speak, how do you see you? How you see you determines how you live, determines if you live determines what you allow to take place in your life. My God, I pray you see you the way God sees you. God sees you, I said it before, I'll say it again. God sees you as a victor, not as a victim. God sees you as his child. How do you see you? God bless you, God keep you. Listen, this is part one of a part two part message. Uh, the next the next message on this coming Sunday, I want to make sure you get this 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 message coming up on this Sunday is not just about how you see you, uh, how you see you. It's about what you see. I'm going to ask you on Sunday. What do you see? What do you see? OK, there we go. God bless you. God keep you. Please join us for prayer on this Saturday and um, uh, Saturday morning. You know about Saturday morning prayer at nine o'clock. And um, I look forward to 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 sharing with you. This message coming up on this coming Sunday, I promise you, you need to get this message. It will be a blessing to you if you will receive it. God bless you. God keep you. This is my prayer. Peace.